Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Good morning. It's Friday, July 16th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, joined right now by Chris Hummer, live from Big 12 Media Days. Chris, you're on your cell phone. You're at Jerry World, right? That's that's where we're doing this thing, huh? Yeah, AT&T Stadium. We're like right next to the star in the middle of the field. Uh, my seat in the kind of press conference area is like on the 40-yard line. It's pretty cool. Have you had a good time? Uh, you're wrapping this up. I know that Kansas had to do virtual. We can talk about that for a second. But what... <laughs> What has it been like being back at a media days after a, uh, it's been two years now. It's been awesome. Like I was thinking about the other day and like the last time I was in front of a college athlete or a coach in person, like obviously many Zoom calls and many phone calls was Kellen Mons, like way back in March of 2020. So it has been a very long time since I've been in front of a college athlete or a college coach. And it's it's nice to catch up with media members that I haven't seen in a long time, like guys I text with all the time. We don't get to see in person. It's been good to get in front of coaches, athletic directors, players for the first time in a long time. So it's been a really cool experience. There are a few things I want to talk about. It's it's always hard to get, gather too much news from many media days. And in the Big 12, it's it only does two days. SEC does four. I, I think everyone else does this too, though, as well. The Pac-12 only s- does one, actually. Oh, yeah. I guess that's not too surprising. What would you say was the most notable thing that you heard in the last two days? Charlie Kohler, oh. Iowa State's All-American tight end. He eats spaghetti with his hands. So I thought that was so notable. You, so you're um, telling us that nothing actually was really newsworthy. And I think you're right, because everyone's yeah, just talking about the horns down. Yeah, there's there's no real news out of this event. Like Usually, you might have a start, starting quarterback named or something like that, but there hasn't really been any of that. Texas Tech has their starting running back, um, who was injured earlier this spring, who's likely going to be back for week one against Houston. That's a big deal. But no, just all in all, there hasn't been a ton of news coming out of the Big 12 media days at all. Well, the big news, I think, from... From Wednesday was you had Iowa State, you wrote a great column on the Cyclones title window. You had Oklahoma, you had West Virginia, you had TCU. I thought it was interesting that Lincoln Riley said Spencer Rattler can still play a lot better. He's not wrong about that. OU started one and two in 2020. Rattler was benched in the first half. You had Gary Patterson talking about stars not mattering. I saw you tweeting about that. What was, give me the full context of, of how that went down. Was he defending his recruiting or was he just saying, you know, this is why we can beat anyone in the league. What was behind the TCU coach pissing you off? I don't know if Gary Patterson pissed me off, but he did what he usually does, which he, he gets up there and he gets on his uh, stump and he talks. Like Gary Patterson can filibuster better than anyone in the Big 12. And I, I don't have a problem with it. I actually think Gary Patterson's really interesting to kind of listen to and to kind of hear breakdown football. But in this instance, he was kind of defending his program a little bit, talking about how at TCU, you can be a three-star and be just as successful as those five stars who go to other schools. He was doing the old Gary Patterson or TCU thing. But then he referenced that at the Super Bowl, there were only like four or five stars in the entire game or like three five stars in the entire game and most of them are three stars across the board and then like it was just like ignoring blatant facts like the idea that Alabama and Ohio State didn't play 
for the national championship seven months ago and have a combined like 35 stars on the field together. Like it, it clearly matters in college. And I, I think Gary Patterson was just doing what a coach does at a program like TCU, which doesn't necessarily recruit five stars in bunches. Although they do have Zach Evans, who I think he's going to be excellent this year. Uh, they're running back, but he was, he was defending his program and I get it. But like, when coaches do that, you got to call it out a little bit because it's just like bending a narrative in a way it really shouldn't be bent. I can't believe I brought up Spencer Rattler and didn't mention that he wasn't there. I know that was a curious decision <laughs> when we found out last week that he wasn't invited with a, a day to experience it there, Chris, and, and hear Lincoln Riley's justification for they, they bring upperclassmen. Does it make any more sense to you or was it still weird? Absolutely not. It's, it's ridiculous that Spencer Rattler wasn't here. Like I get wanting to reward your upperclassmen, but I think what Lincoln Riley doesn't mention there is Spencer Rattler is in his third season at Oklahoma. He is a junior per the Oklahoma admissions department or the Oklahoma academic kind of side of things. Like he is an upperclassman. He is the Heisman favorite. The idea that he is not here at Big 12 Media Days in an event meant to showcase Oklahoma as a brand and also the conference as a whole kind of really strikes me as odd. Like I get wanting to have Jeremiah Hall there. Jeremiah Hall, by the way, Excellent quote. Like I asked him about Oklahoma taking advantage of their window this year with the roster they bring back. He brought up the 2017 Rose Bowl where they lost to Georgia, called it one of the more painful experiences of his life, and then all but guaranteed that if Oklahoma gets in that position again, he's going to make sure his guys are ready to be ready for that moment. And then he said, we will be ready. And I think we'll get there. So Jeremiah Hall essentially uh, declaring that the Sooners are going to be playing for a national championship this year, which I guess is kind of notable news. But yeah. the idea that Jeremiah Hall was there instead of instead of Spencer Sanders, I think irked a lot of people, not just in the media. Like I think he should be there to represent the Big 12 for sure. Yes. Spencer Rally, you mean Spencer Sanders was there for Oklahoma State on Thursday. Last question for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too many oh, Spencers in the Big 12. Did Iowa State or Oklahoma seem more loose to you on Wednesday and then we'll then we'll pivot to Thursday. Oh, Oklahoma. I think if you're I guess I don't know if I would call it news, but Lincoln Riley said like he's excited to be back in his second home, kind of a reference to the Sooners winning back to back to back to back uh, Big 12 championships here. This is where they play the Big 12 title game every year. Uh, Jeremiah Hall, the uh, H-back I mentioned earlier for the Sooners, was talking about how Oklahoma doesn't um, rebuild, they reload. Um, I think there's plenty of swagger and confidence coming out of there. I think Iowa State as a program has built some kind of a different culture and a different dynamic. You're not going to see those players really genuinely talk out of turn. They don't discuss external expectations as a rule. It feels genuine coming out of Matt Campbell, by the way. So like I understand that, but there was some levity over there as well. Greg Eisworth was, as I said earlier, making fun of Charlie Kohler quite a bit. Reese Hall is always a great interview. He was pretty loose overall. So I think both teams are very confident heading into the year. I'm not going to ask you about Mike Gundy's mullet. I will ask you though about the horns down <laughs> saga. This happens every year at Big 12 Media Days. This year, the director of officials said it will be a penalty if you do it, if you if you're if you do the horns down in the direction of a Texas player would be a taunting call, but you could maybe do it to your own fans or your own sideline and get away with it. Is that, is that the interpretation? That is. Yeah. And I think the ambiguity there with the maybe essentially you could get it a 15 yard penalty. If you do it towards the fans is the issue that kind of wrinkles a lot of people. If you're going to penalize somebody for that specific thing, which we can talk about how ridiculous that is. If you want, I think you need to be consistent and the lack of consistency from the big 12 and how that's going to apply. It's kind of crazy. Like the last thing you want to do if you're an Oklahoma player is swing a game because you do horns down towards the crowd and the rest season throws you a 15-yard flag. But right now, the 
there's no clarity from the Big 12 if like that can or can't happen, or at least there's no consistency with it. So I, I do think it's, it's kind of a ridiculous issue, but I think it is a bit of an issue exiting Big 12 Media Days. This is something the Big 12, after years and years of conversation about it, has yet to firmly put a stance forward on. And I, I think it does need to be clarified down the line for sure. Well, and the, the 24-7 Sports Desk team in Slack took the day to figure out the best horns down moment. I think Will Greer won. I would agree with him, uh, by the way. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, for sure. I think the other newsy element, I feel so bad for Kansas and new, new coach Lance Leopold, but they weren't able to make it to Dallas because of weather grounding their their private plane. That was a bummer, huh? So he zoomed in with you guys. And that just, that feels so Kansas. You hate to say it. I'm glad they were safe, but it just feels so Kansas. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty inauspicious start for uh, Lance Leopold here. Um, no doubt about that. Like the one team in the Big Twelve that probably needs kind of a nice, like fresh new narrative uh, more than anybody is Kansas with a new head coach coming in, and to not get that moment here, to not have guys to make the program relatable. That I, I will give David Beatty this. I will give Les Miles this. Kansas always did a really great job of bringing engaging, really smart, talented individuals to Big Twelve Media Days with great stories to kind of get some positive press out there about the Kansas program. For them to be stuck in Lawrence because they couldn't take off because of weather or whatever kind of happened over there. It's kind of sad. Like you would have liked to see Kansas here, but it's about as Kansas as you can get, I guess, with the football program right now. I was watching ESPNU. They had Steve Sarkeesian on, was doing a great job of breaking down film and sharing his, his vision for the program. But then I, I saw, Chris, that when he went and talked to you guys, he triggered the Texas fan base by saying winning is hard, which if you're listening to this and, and you're interested in the Big 12, you, you might know <laughs> that Tom Herman would just arrogantly say that after almost every Texas loss. Do you think anyone's told Steve Sarkeesian yet to he cannot say that. I don't know if anybody's told him, but I would hope uh, his SID, uh, John Bianco, has mentioned it at least once. But I think, if anything, it proves that I think the Texas fans are very hard on Tom Herman, and pun, I guess, not intended for his use of that phrase. But I think it kind of shows that all coaches recycle the same kind of pet uh, phrases over and over again, kind of get out of answering questions. And I'm glad he was interesting on ESPNU, uh, Trey, because Steve Sarkeesian said very little, if nothing of note, um, at the podium in front of us for 20 minutes. So I, I'm glad he was good somewhere. He, he he did casually mention that he's coached in four national championship games, which was, I thought was a pretty interesting flex. But otherwise, a very, very vanilla start from Steve Sarkeesian in front of the Big 12 media. Oh, he was, yeah, breaking down film, talking about the quarterback battle, said he'll just have to eventually go with his gut. You know what? We, we almost covered every single team so let's just let's just do it let's just rapid fire here i'm going to say a team and you tell me what you thought what comes to mind baylor and dave aranda how'd that go thursday morning I always think Dave Aranda is a really engaging speaker. Um, he's only been to the podium today. The players haven't broken out yet, but I really do enjoy Dave Aranda's takes on football schematically, especially defense given his specialty. And he did mention that, and we've talked about this before on this podcast with Dave Aranda, about how the Big 12 is almost a defense first like league right now. And they're bringing in a Big 10 mentality in terms of the schemes that are being played and kind of the counters they're having to do to some of the new coaching offensively that's coming to the league, stuff like the wide zone. That'll be a staple at Kansas this year. So I thought that was really interesting, Dave Aranda, saying that he thinks the Big 12 is now a defense first league. Non-mullet news from Oklahoma State. Non-mullet news from Oklahoma State. I was uh, off to the side with Matt Wells for much of Mike Gundy's press conference today. So I I don't know how many major takeaways from that one, I'm going to be honest. That's fine. They they did have Spencer Sanders there. He, I do have Spencer Sanders, and I think Mike Gundy did stress 
that Spencer needs to be a little more consistent this year. Mike Gundy did get a question about Shane Islingsworth, their backup quarterback. So that kind of shows you where the fan base is at a little bit right now with that QB battle heading into the year. Spencer's going to be the starter, but I don't know how secure his job's going to be if he doesn't have a little more consistency this year as the quarterback. What did you and Texas Tech head coach Matt Wells talk about, Chris? Oh, Matt Wells was talking forever, but I was asking him about transfers. I think he said a really interesting thing at the podium that he said about 40% of his recruiting classes, at least for the next couple of years, are going to be transfers. He thinks that's the model he needs to have to be successful at Texas Tech. He was pretty blunt. Part of it's because he needs more talented players and it's a little easier to get them back to Texas as a transfer as it would be to maybe recruit them the first time around and get them out to Lubbock. So that was kind of a, a little bit of that's honesty good. you don't get out of a coach very often. Yeah, I like which that. was interesting. I like and I think he's being upfront about it. And I think if Texas Tech, that's a program that really could benefit from transfers. Um, I think he started six transfers last year. They brought in another nine this offseason, some really talented players. Uh, Marquise Waters, from Duke was in our top 150 transfers this year. He's going to start at safety for them. Um, they obviously brought in Tyler Shuck, who's likely going to be the starting quarterback. So I think Texas Tech is really a program that can benefit from the transfer portal. Two more schools. You're doing a great job and they'll let you go get to your, get to your player breakouts. Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. I feel like everything I saw with him was name image likeness related. Yeah, he, he did a lot of um, talking about image and likeness. I think the most interesting quote from him out of media days was he said, Manhattan is one of the, I don't remember the specific, specific words, but it was essentially Manhattan's one of the best places in the country to be for name, image, and likeness. And like at first, I think people might balk at that. But if you think about it, like Kansas State is the show in town in Manhattan. I know Manhattan's not a giant city, but every business in that town, or at least most businesses in that town are Kansas State focused. Like most Places in that town are going to have purple out. Most places in that town are going to shut down for the games on Saturday. And those players in Manhattan, um, they might not be mega national deals, but I do think there's a lot of grassroots money to be made in Manhattan for those players. And I do think it's something that could benefit Kansas State long-term from a recruiting perspective. Like, is Kansas State going to beat out Oregon for a player Oregon wants? Probably not. But if it... If it comes down to it and you're talking about Midwest schools battling for a lot of those prospects, they do. I think Kansas State is in a position to capitalize on NIL just because of the buy-in from the community. Lastly, West Virginia and Neil Brown. It's already year three for him. That's hard to believe. You've seen them making a jump based on anything he had to say on Wednesday. West Virginia is a really interesting team. I had them when we did our preseason top 25 the first time. So in February, I had them as a top 25 team. That's changed a little bit. Um, they lost Sean Miller, Tyke Smith to the transfer portal. You know, they went to Auburn and Georgia, respectively. Those were their two best defensive players. They also lost one of the Stills brothers to the NFL draft. So you could argue three of their four best defensive players from last year are gone. But I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with Jared Deji. They're, um, Deji? Yeah, his court, his, uh, yeah, I don't know because his brother is a former Red Raider. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd last name, but um, I apologize, Jarrett. But I think Neil Brown has mentioned a couple times this offseason, the next step for Jarrett is the ability to kind of play in that system and make things happen a little bit with his feet and be a little more dynamic out of the pocket. They run a lot of kind of RPO stuff, a lot of run pass option stuff where the quarterback has the option opportunity to keep. He doesn't do that too often. They're working on with him to be more mobile, not just as a runner, but to throw on the move as well to kind of open things up more in their system. And if he can be better this year, and he was basically the definition of an average quarterback in the Big 12 last year. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, but he didn't win very many possessions for West Virginia. He was kind of a move the chains guy, didn't, didn't make a mistake, kind of the coach on the field, whatever cliche you want to use. But if he can be a little bit more dynamic and that offense can take a step, I think West Virginia still, even with the pieces they lost offensively, can be pretty dangerous in the Big 12 
myself. Neil Brown's a heck of a coach. Um, very underrated from that aspect, aspect of things. One of the better ones in the country. And if that quarterback play can get a little bit better and the receivers, uh, particularly the outside, can be a little better, I think they'll be in good shape. And Neil Brown is pretty upfront about both of those things. The receivers need to catch the ball more. They led the Big 12 in drops last year. And Jared Deji needs to be a little bit better as a quarterback and a little more dynamic, maybe out of structure. So... If you see that from West Virginia, I think the Mountaineers could be in for a good year. Usually you see the court or the coach tell the quarterback to slow things down and make fewer mistakes. It's it's interesting to see the coach do the the opposite of that. Chris Hammer, appreciate you joining us. Actually, Follow him on actually, Go ahead. You I was just, gonna say you just on that stay note, on. You don't want to leave. I was gonna say, like on the note of quarterbacks just kind of being a little more free, Matt Campbell said very much the same about Brock Purdy. He talked at length about Brock kind of being the key to their team. And he saw him get a little conservative. Uh, last year at times. And I think he said by the end of the year, you were seeing a little bit more of the freshman Brock Purdy. He was just letting it go. And Matt Campbell didn't really mind Brock Purdy throwing three interceptions in the Big 12 title game because Brock Purdy was letting it loose. And not all of those were his fault. So if Brock hmm. can maintain that like free level of play and also cut down on those kind of mistakes a little bit, I think Matt Campbell would be very happy and Iowa State has a legitimate chance to beat Oklahoma in this Big 12 title race. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, he threw three three interceptions. I would I would almost say do the opposite. But may, I mean, Matt Campbell knows his team better than I do. Maybe a little Jedi mind trick there. Follow Chris Hummer on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. We'll let you get back to Big 12 Media Days. We appreciate you joining us. Our producer is Lance Glenn. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you uh, next week for the next edition of the College Football Daily. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.